0: Ah, yes, it's OGP, the one giant podcast on a Tuesday, where I am your host, Adam Armbrecht. No Andy Mackowitz for this one. We took off Monday. There was a press conference. We wanted to really dial in on it. And quite frankly, coming off a buzzer of a weekend there in the NFL action host battle, it matters. I picked up some points there and really set the stage for what will be a truly epic OGP host showdown. When the big game gets played a couple weeks from now, but in the meantime, as I say, there was a press conference yesterday going to get into some of the cliches that got thrown out there from Brian Dable, the general impression of the man as he takes center stage, talk about the coaching staff and some news and notes in and around there, and then focus in on a handful of players here uh, that Dable and of course, Joe Shane are going to need to make decisions about as they develop the roster develop the system that they want to put in place and hopefully start that process of rebuilding the New York football giants on that, on that part of it, Brian Dable, as we say, introduced as the head coach for the New York football giants. Listen, there's some easy things here. As I say, our press conferences in general cliche. Sure. Unlike two years ago, when Joe judge was introduced, this does feel a little bit different and obviously it feels good. feels better. Uh, than it did back then but the weird thing is between Dave Gettleman's press conference when he was brought on very much a public figure at the helm of the New York football Giants a lot of bravado a lot of ego that was the general impression likewise when you get to Joe Judge being introduced it felt like there was a lot of bravado a lot of ego hard hard hard-nosed football guy and I think Giants fans I know we were on the show so desperate to have this sense of someone who had real conviction about what was going to fix this team, that you got hyped on it a little bit, a little too hyped, and the results didn't pan out, and we find ourselves resetting the table. Now, between what you saw from Joe Shane and his introductory press conference as the GM, and now Brian Dable, there seems to be a level of authenticity there. Um, There seems to be a level of awareness of what the process is going to look like, that it isn't going to come easy expectations need to be set at the right level as they begin this journey and whether or not these guys are going to success, succeed or fail. It just does feel like these are guys that have been around the league and are looking to take the next step in their career and are excited at the prospect of it while understanding the level of work. That's going to go into it. I can't get overhyped on the press conference because I did it. I've done it before, and it's not right. The results are what matter. And the same way that we thought Joe Shane came off as a guy that was eager to get started, not too interested in the press conference per se, a little bit nervous, a little bit of that energy, right, that comes into a new position. Dable kind of read the same way way for me. He made a lot of the statements. Again, who do we want to be? We want to be smart, tough, and dependable. Every football team wants to be that, right? I I think the the layer deeper that you go on this with him is as he speaks, as he spoke to it, I should say, there were a couple of things, right? You want to be listening to the players, listening to the scouting department, listening to the organization. Talked a lot about collaborative effort uh, inside of the New York football Giants facility going forward. But listen, learn, and develop the people in our building. Do I feel prepared? When he was asked, do you feel ready for this opportunity? Do, yes, I feel prepared. Do I expect there will be challenges? Of course I do. And, you know, really inside of that, too, as you went on to say, uh, do things the right way to start. The pressure is the pressure that we put on ourselves. If you're prepared, the pressure is less. 21 years inside of the NFL, I think 25 years total in, in football, coaching and being a part of the game. I think you, you take those comments and understand that Dable, by the way, very clearly stated i'm not i'm not going to set expectations i'm not going to tell you what we're going to achieve there are going to be difficulties here and here and there we are going to have ebbs and flows ups and downs do i hope that it's mostly highs and not so many lows of course i do but this is a process and you have to be willing to come in into it with open eyes in that regard and when you talk about developing the talent in the building figuring out the players that are going to match the systems you want to run the personnel, the schemes, the coaches that you bring in, all of these things basically look like, hey, yeah, it's going to take time. And Dable even said it at one point I'm just trying to figure out, you know, it was a big, quick process getting here, drove through the snow, wanted to be here, made the joke, brought the weather with us from Buffalo. He said, I'm just trying to get through this thing so I can get back to the office and finish making decisions. He was asked about coaching decisions, you know, on the staff here, and we'll get to that in a minute. He said, Yeah, I haven't had a chance to. And as soon as I'm done here, I get to go back and do that. And I like that and I like that mentality. It came off again, as genuine, and as somebody who understands, it's a big task ahead, and the, the faster you get rolling is the quicker that you can get that process underway. Um, beyond that, though, this is, we say four oh, <laughs> that was the last thing. The last little funny joke was, in the middle of a, of a conversation back and forth with the reporter, he did say, "I think this is going really well. My four-year-old's falling asleep in the front row." And uh, and we carry on. Right. So as excited as the family is, six children, wife on hand there, I believe his oldest son uh, is there at Penn State. So he referenced that when he was asked about Saquon Barkley, which we will get to now, because the next piece after this, the after some of the cliche takeaways and the general consensus of hey, good vibes. Right now we talk about, though, what are the expectations around this team and some of the players? The carryover on Daniel Jones has been the same theme that we got uh, from John Mara. We've done everything we can do to screw this kid up and we, we want to give him a, a nice new clean foothold in here. Joe Shane comes in. We like the player. We like the, the focus, the drive he's in the building. We believe that he's had a lot of different systems, asked to do a lot of different things. And we want to figure out if he can be successful. If we give stability around him, Dable echoed those sentiments again, It's easy to sit here and say that this is an all-in scenario on Daniel Jones. It's not, but he's on the roster. He's talented, and if from the outside, if Joe Shane, if Brian Dable, when they came in for these interviews, if they were honest and critical of what was working or not working from afar for the New York football Giants, if John Mayer and Steve Tisch were critical of what did not work for them, then there is this world where you look at this quarterback and you say, listen, the skill set coming out of college, it can work. We just need to give this kid some stability. And again, one of the things that Dable mentioned uh, in talking with Daniel Jones was he asked Daniel Jones, tell me over the last three years, what were things that you liked that were going on in the offensive side for you? What are things that you didn't like? And even all the way back to Duke, tell me things that you fundamentally liked in your college years, because that means we can start to figure out how are we constructing this around you and your skill set. So much has been said about, well, you're coming in from, obviously from buffalo you had josh allen let's let's dial it up and fans have pushed back and some people in the media have suggested oh you think he's just going to come in and turn daniel jones into josh allen of course not but inside of this press conference they also asked about what's evolved over your 21 years in coaching in the nfl and how will that impact what you do with your system with your scheme and i thought Dable's you know answer was was a really telling one that the scheme and the the constructs that you have in place for success, let's just say on the offensive side of the ball, well, those kind of pillars and tenets remain the same. the The style in which the NFL goes, that evolves, and the personnel that you have changes and evolves from year to year. So you may go about accomplishing the same principles within your system in a different set of steps based on who you have available to you, right? So if you have a pass-catching, scat-back running back and you're working in RPO, well, you're going to utilize him differently than if you find yourself with a power running back. And that comes back to free agency, the draft class, and saying, if we see talent, well, we think about how do we plug that talent into our system? How do we create success for ourselves with the talent that we have on the roster? Understanding, this is what we want to accomplish and how we want to accomplish it. And now we make the little tweaks off of that. So mostly positive stuff. there. interested to see how it develops. And of course, listen, the very least, and this is where I had to be self-critical. I, I, we were, I was on Daniel Jones when they drafted him. I turned, I quickly turned the corner and said, Hey, listen, am I surprised they took him at six overall? Of course I am. But if you believe this kid has the talent, that's what you want to see. And it was Pat Shermer that pushed for them to draft Daniel Jones. Now, it's hard to separate yourself from Pat Shermer, unsuccessful as the Giants head coach, Dave Gettleman, unsuccessful as the GM, Joe Judge, unsuccessful as the head coach, right? It's hard to detach Daniel Jones from that. And over the last couple of years, I got to the place where it was, listen, you're rebuilt, now you need to be rebuilding. It's time to move on here, fourth year. But I'll stand by. You play out the fourth year, you think that you've brought in the right GM and the right head coach, and then the coaching staff will follow. If he can have success, if he can show you that the baseline is strong then you'll bring them back next year. You'll extend them and you'll continue to build with him. Even if the timeline has been pushed back a couple of years, because if you think he's capable, it's fine to stick with him. But I did pull the plug a little bit early, maybe on Daniel Jones. And it's funny how your perception changes when you feel like the people at the helm, when the decision makers, when you are more confident in them, suddenly you're more confident in the players that they want to keep around the roster. So that's the piece on Daniel Jones. Saquon Barkley said he also spoke with him. I mentioned his son works at Penn State, so he gets a little extra insight on him. I did find it interesting that when he was asked about it, um, Dable responded with, yeah, talented player. Looking forward to talking to him. We'll see. Unlike with Daniel Jones, who is a potential franchise quarterback, so you understand why you're kind of, you know, throwing a little bit of glowing reviews on the front end because you want to hopefully foster a successful relationship and have him be the quarterback going forward. Unlike that, though. This felt more like, yeah, really talented guy, but guess what? And this is what I said after the Joe Shane press conference too. It does not matter where you were drafted in the previous regime. It does not matter what your cap hit number is. It does not matter where you are in your contract. It does not matter if you were signed in free agency. You are coming in here with a blank slate underneath Joe Shane and underneath Brian Dable and Saquon Barkley's status as the number two overall pick and in, in the draft and being a gold jacket wear and. Running back, as Dave Gettleman would want you to know, it doesn't matter anymore. If you're productive inside of the scheme we want to run, that benefits us. Does it mean anything for his long-term prospects? Probably not because of what that would look like to be bringing back a running back like that. But when you see $7.2 million of cap room available, you work your way through the draft and you see yourself finding a guy in the middle to late rounds that you think can be effective off of Saquon Barkley. and, And then if you see enough of the upside, easily won you can move off of him in the offseason if you want to play out the string which we've often said uh a la evan ingram making mistakes by not moving off of players early enough or maybe by the deadline right maybe you see this version of it where the team is working it's building it's having some wins some tough losses and you see the availability of getting a draft asset for the future and moving a talented player somewhere else I just think that you got you to gotta read a little bit between the lines on that one as far as where this incoming staff is going to look at Saquon Barkley and his value to this team. Sterling Shepard was there at the press conference with a boot, shaking the hand of Brian Dable, as was uh, Blake Martinez. Listen, those are two of the guys that we've talked about before. I am, and maybe I'm even leaning a little bit heavier that I think, especially because the injury could disrupt the timeline of his return and what that would look like. I, I think that Sterling Shepard's going to be here. They talked about high-character guys, the kind of guys they want to have on this roster. It's why I step back from the idea of James Bradbury being gone. I don't think that's going to be the case. He'll be 28 this year. I had aged him up a little bit. But these are guys that I think, you know, veteran presence. Heard this from from Joe Shane, echoed by Brian Dable, communicating our vision, our principles down the line to the younger players. And whether or not Sterling Shepard is going to ever be able to be what we hoped he could be if he could be healthy. When you have a young talent like Darius Tony on that wide receiver group, when you know that he's ready to burst on the scene and be an explosive, dynamic playmaker and really pop the top off the NFL at a wide receiver spot. It's great. You also know, there's some small chance that this guy could be a little bit of a head case. I'm not I'm not I'm not premonitioning anything out there. I don't want it to be that case, but guess what? When you surround young, talent, high-talented players with veterans who have been around the league for a number of years and understand the day-in, day-out process that needs to be grinded through, that matters, including Sterling Shepard. For all of his injuries, every single chance that he's had to get back on the field, he's tried to. And we go back to this past season, a lot of nagging little injuries seem to impact Kadarius Toney, kept him off the field at times. Just mentality, approach to the game, dedication. I don't think it hurts to have guys like that. Don't know if you'll say the same thing for Blake Martinez, but again, cap numbers, dead cap numbers, freeing up space, players you want to pursue—it's all going to come underneath this header of, hey, how do we balance the books here while still bringing influx of talent, influx of other veterans that we may like, obviously from our time in Buffalo or around the league, and still maintain some continuity here. And in that continuity piece, we'll move on to because there's going to be those those names are going to come and we'll see how they develop along the way. The coaching staff insights go like this. We've heard that Ken Dorsey is highly sought after by Brian Dable. We're going to see what happens here. He only referenced it as, I'm looking to get back into my office and continue with that. However, there was already one name that came up here. So you already have offensive line coach Bobby Johnson of the Buffalo Bills currently is expected to come and join Brian Dable in the same role with the New York football giants. So maybe the first one, even if we think Dorsey could be waiting in the wings. First one is going to be bring in a quality offensive line coach that you think can maximize what you have on the players on the roster. And then more importantly, develop the talent that you bring in. We assume through the draft and obviously maybe some veterans through free agency, if they can make some of that money work. That's important. We, You know, we heard the bills say that we're not going to just let Joe Shane poach the entire organization, right, to build himself up over with the New York football giants, but there's going to be some key figures here that Brian Dable is interested in. There's a difference between if you, if the lateral move to the same role versus getting promoted in your new job, that changes how that works. It's the kind of, a, when it comes to an offensive line coach, you don't think the bills are going to scoff at that as opposed to Ken Dorsey, where you're elevating him. And that's why he can go and take that job. But would the bills try to throw a bunch of money at him is Ken Dorsey's relationship with Brian Dable such that, you know, he wants to follow him. The other big one, as we had mentioned, I don't know if we spelled out some of the details of it. That's Patrick Graham. Inside of this press conference, Dable said, listen, I, I, fully, I would fully expect to have Patrick Graham here. Would love to have him here, work with him before. Would love to have him as a sounding board. And from a fan standpoint, from an organizational standpoint, you'd love to have that continuity on the defensive side of the ball. The only thing that would hold that up is a head coaching opportunity that could come up for Patrick Graham, at which point the Giants would receive two third round picks down the line because it's a minority coach getting elevated into a head coaching role. Now, the the two sides to this are this. The picks are great, right? And there's plenty of other options that could potentially be out there for defensive coordinator for the Giants if Patrick Graham were to get a head coaching job. If you like Graham, and you like the continuity piece on defense, then I don't think you worry about the fact that you could get a couple of picks. It's enticing. It's exciting. And I won't be sad if we get them. But if you really believe in what Patrick Graham is capable of doing with this defense, then I think you have to really like the idea of offensively coming in, revamping things, new scheme, new system, a lot of new personnel, and being able to say on the defensive side, let's stand Pat for another year. Graham may, may be right up for another head coaching job next season, and that's okay. But with all of this change that's coming into the organization, potentially, it'd be nice to, when you look over the defensive side of the ball, you say things like, we don't need to move off of James Bradbury just yet. We know that he's there. He's quality. We have Leonard Williams. We know that we could move him if we wanted to, but Graham can tell you what where that value lies. Dexter Lawrence, right? You just drafted Aziz Ojalari continuing his development. Ellerson Smith injured finally starts to get back on the field late in the season there's a lot of these young players and then and then let alone the secondary um and some of those guys like Robinson like Williams right uh you have Xavier McKinney obviously going to be entering his third season there's a lot of these players that I think if you come in and you have these conversations with Graham and then organizationally you say here's the guys and we've done this before on the show right name the quality players that you think you could keep from one coaching staff to the next, from one regime to the next. Offensively, really hard to get too far down the line. Gonna give Daniel Jones a chance, great. But beyond him, it was Andrew Thomas. Everybody else, Kenny Galladay, even Kadarius Tony, right? Like, I mean, nobody's safe was the point. And, and Tony would probably be the electric guy that you say, well, you just drafted him. Why, why would you move off him? Of? Right. But that was pretty much it. Defensively, you can talk about James Bradbury. You can look at Adoree Jackson. You can look at Logan Ryan, right? You can look at Xavier McKinney, Oja Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, even, even Tay Crowder to whatever extent is a depth piece, right? Lorenzo Carter being a free agent. This, we had said this before. If it's a new regime and a new defensive coordinator, there's no chance Lorenzo Carter's back. But now if you retain Patrick Graham and the price point is right, you probably will welcome back Lorenzo Carter. And these are like some of these guys, it doesn't matter. They're not all on even keel here. Some guys are way more important than others. And knowing that you have the same coordinator in place means that you can maximize what you get out of these guys in the short term and then figure out where things go a year from now, potentially some of the contracts you may move off of and buying yourself one draft class to help bring in some other young talent. And then another free agency cycle when the cap room will open up for you, because this offseason is not going to be the one where the Giants can make some big moves and where Joe Shane can really go and attack the market and bring in key players that he thinks that fits into their scheme and their system, et cetera. They can't do that just yet. They can make some small moves, but the big ones are going to come next offseason. And that's where I think keeping Graham around will be a good thing for the New York football Giants. Other than that, it's mostly positive. Like I said, this is this. This feels like that renewal for Giants fans, getting that sense of, hey, maybe we're starting to turn this thing around. Maybe we're starting to get ourselves back on track. And if you felt good about the Joe Shane introduction, if you felt good about the Brian Dable introduction, now it's about building out this staff and seeing what news comes trickling in on that end. Already grabbing yourself. It looks like an offensive line coach, potentially grabbing an offensive a coordinator also from Buffalo. And then again, let's keep that continuity on the defensive side of the ball. I think that that's the way to close out here at the end of the day, as we love to say. That's the way that you bring in a rookie head coach and a rookie GM, and you still find a way to keep yourself on an even keel from a personnel standpoint and from a scheme standpoint. And my general takeaway is that the New York football giants are looking to approach this upcoming season as let's revamp the offense, the broken thing. And let's just try to keep ourselves steady on the defensive side of the ball for another year and start to develop and evaluate that talent and see what we need to do going forward. We'll be back in tomorrow, breaking it all down. We're going to start to get into some of these key players now with day Bowl in place, thinking about personnel, thinking about some of those big financial decisions. And then we'll also start to highlight. You're already seeing the draft and those projections. I know it's light years away, But just thinking about where some of these players and some of these positions stack up in the draft, specifically on the offensive line, there's going to be a key name to remember beyond the right tackle, interior offensive line. A couple of key names to remember here and looking at how the Giants can approach filling in key gaps on the offensive side of the ball while also trying to bring in some supplemental talent for the defense as well. Like I say, we'll be back in. You can follow us on YouTube. Love all of the the information. Get after us in the comments, by all means. Please ask us your questions. Talk about prospects from college. I want to dive in on that starting immediately. Look at the finances. Tell us your takeaways you like from Dable. If Ken Dorsey is the end-all, be-all for the offensive side of the ball, whatever it is. And be sure, of course, to listen wherever you get your podcast needs fulfilled. We'll be back in next time talking all things New York football giants. And as Andy Makowitz, were he to be here to my side, to that side. He would tell you he wants needs and nay demands. The people know as always, let's go big blue. Let's go big blue.